and gentlemen, this is the main event. Fight fans worldwide, you've tuned into the number one undisputed boxing podcast today. This is the Boxing Breakdown. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Breakdown, and I am your host, Mr. Mark Roxy. I am delighted to see you all and be with you, whether you're here on uh, YouTube or you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To our tiny little show, which I know is getting big uh, praise and people are tuning in. So that's awesome. Um, and I am with my partner in crime, Mr. Harold Hunt. What's up? What's up? What's up, Harold? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, brother. It's good to see you, man. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine, man. A lot of stuff going on. Can't wait to get started. Yeah, well, let's get right into it, man. Let's get right into it. We got a lot of boxing. Um, I mean, gosh, there's so much that took place this past week uh, in the boxing world, man. I mean, the headlines are just busting at the seams. And, I mean, you got Galadi Golovkin back on the scene. He's getting ready to fight a guy, Rutoya Murata. Uh, that fight's going to happen in April. Uh you know, Galati Golovkin is making noise, man. He's running all over the headlines. You hear him talking about uh, Canelo Alvarez saying that he won both both of the fights. Um, you know, I guess he wants to get in that conversation. And, of course, we're going to talk today a little bit about Canelo, Canelo Alvarez rejecting the, oh, man, $100 million offer to face uh, Charlo and Benavides in a two-fight deal. Um, and then, uh, gosh, the, the news just goes on and on. Jamie Mungia says uh, it's time for Galati Golovkin. So there he is again, right? And then, uh, of course, we've got Ryan Garcia. Uh, he will uh, remain undefeated his entire career, says his new trainer, Mr. Joe Goosen. Yeah, man, that's that's a lot. We got to chop that up. We're going to talk a lot about that. But then, of course, Roly uh, Romero is, of course, in the conversation. Uh, you know, saying that uh, Canelo uh, really doesn't have a killer instinct, man. There, there are uh, lots of people saying lots of things about the hundred million dollar man. Actually, Canelo is worth like one forty, one hundred and forty mil. So then you, you tack on another 100, man. That's 240 mil. That's pretty freaking impressive as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Andrade is a tough, tougher fight uh, than Canelo. I guess that's uh, Benavides. Uh, that, that's a shout out to Benavides, right? Um, so anyway, there's lots of news. We're going to talk a lot about uh, that and a bunch of other stuff. So Harold, Harold hunt my man let's get let's get into this talk um well i know you wanted to say on the last episode you were you were talking about uh the fight in um 
Don King land and you, you had some things you wanted to share with the audience. And, uh, I was delighted to hear what you had to say. And, and I'm wondering if you want to share that or if you don't want to share that. I will quickly. Yeah, man. As I was saying, Mark was a, uh, cut man that evening and I was, uh, in press row. Thanks to boxing breakdown. Uh, they allowed me to be there in press row. As I was seeing that with the other press people from various situations, I was saying, my guy, Mark, is the cut man there. And uh, I point out him to about eight, nine, ten people. We were up on the stage looking over at the fight. And uh, about the third round, Mark's guy got cut. And the blood was splashing around and what happened. And I said, well, he's got to go to work. So everyone there was watching Mark. Because we're press people, we know how cuts can affect the fight, and people shut down or they get anxious when they see the fight. We don't want to see the blood, so we didn't know what was going to happen. So we were all watching Mark in between rounds. He cleaned up the man's cut. He closed the cut. It didn't bleed anymore for the subsequent, I think it was seven or eight rounds. And um, I think Mark was more, not more entertaining but we enjoyed watching the spot, the, the, the three minutes as he went to work. It was very quick into the ring. He got in position quickly. He, he, fixed, he fixed the cut. The main thing was it did not bleed any further and it went to distance. And that was your handiwork. And I want to uh, uh, commend you for that. But you had a lot of new fans in the press who saw your work and was oh, impressed. Man, that's awesome. Listen, Harold, I know... I didn't, I didn't realize that's what you were going to say, but you know, that was a title fight. It was a title fight. It was a heavyweight title fight. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was a great night of boxing. I was really happy to be there. I was happy to be there with you, uh, that we could share that night together. And I was really happy that I can contribute to that fighter who, who, um, you know, I wasn't his head trainer, but certainly if, if he had not um, made it through that fourth round where he was, I think it was a headbutt, uh, it might have been an elbow or head, uh, but he was pretty much cut. Uh, it was about eight or nine stitches at the end of the day. So it was a pretty big cut and it was located directly over the eye. So when I saw that cut, I was thinking, man, this is, this is, um, this is a bad one here, right? And it was only the fourth round. It was actually coming, just coming out of the fourth round. Fourth round, yeah. Yeah, so I I, um, I definitely appreciated uh, the opportunity to, to be in there and to work that cut. Um, I was also, uh, I have to tell you, I give a shout out to my boy Billy Briscoe uh, from Philly because uh, Billy Billy's actually the cut man, you know. Billy, Billy is an amazing cut man, and I've learned a tremendous amount of, of um what I know about cuts from Billy <clears throat> because I normally hire Billy to do cuts, but, um, Billy was there, man. He was there at the fight as well. He was working a guy's corner and Billy was screaming, man. He was right at, he was right at, um, right outside of the gates of, of the uh, blue corner. And he was like screaming at me, come on, you got this. You know, it was like we were fighting. I was just doing cuts, <laughs> <clears throat> but his support, was just incredible. And he really got me through that fight. I knew that if I got in trouble and I needed a little extra help or a couple of other end swells that he'd be right there to throw them to me. Um, uh, as it turns out, it was fine. It was, it was a great night. Uh, 
Ahmed Hefni was the name of the fighter, and he was a privilege to work with, amazing guy. And um, yeah, we got through the the ten rounds, and he got a uh, he lost the fight um, in a very controversial um, split decision. So. It was a great night of boxing. We had a lot of fun, and we ended up in the emergency room after that because, you know, you better go to the doctor and get your eyes sealed up properly so that you can fight again. Uh, because if you don't get your 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 cuts, for all you guys out there that are listening in, you know, if you, if you do get cut in a fight or even in the gym, make sure that you get in, uh, get that cut cleaned out. Uh, and get it stitched up properly so you can live to fight another day. Because if you don't, uh, you're going to have big problems. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Harold, thank you, man. That was that was a great little uh, tribute to me. And I give throw it right back to you because you did an amazing job in Press Row. And, uh, you know, making lots of wonderful connections. And uh, really, uh, um, you know, journaling the fight. So it was great for, for all of us and it was great for the boxing breakdown that you were there. So I want to talk to you, Harold. I know that, that we've been, we've been talking offline a little bit about, uh, Demetrius Andre, and I'd like you to, um, just tell me what you got on this guy. The WBO is going to allow him to move up to, super middleweight and uh, participate in an interim championship fight, which will line him up to fight Canelo as Canelo will have to defend the WBO title, which he holds, which is a good place for Andre. He gets to get out of his division and move up uh, right. and, 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 and get into the Canelo sweet stakes uh, legally as in, he doesn't have to call him out. It will be a mandatory by the WBO. Right. Well, he's got a tough fight with, uh, I think he's fighting uh, Zach Parker, right? 168, Zach Parker? Yes. However, in my opinion, it's it's a walkover. Yeah? Tell me. The gentleman is going to fight well. He's going to do what he needs to do, but Andre is a great boxer. He's going to do what he has to do to win the fight so he can be uh, in line for Canelo. So. Uh, he's not in danger of being hurt or knocked out. The fight may or may not be a stinker, but Andre should easily win. Right. Okay, so let's assume that he does win. We've seen um, plans get foiled in the past, haven't we, Harold? <laughs> All the time. That's the best so part about boxing. Let's not look past Zach Parker because we've seen some major upsets in the recent couple of months. And, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, for, for Andre's plan, uh, he's got to get past uh, Zach Parker. Then um, what, what's this business of, of David Benavides? Well, Benavides has the same situation with the WBC. Uh, he will uh, have a super middleweight fight, which he will be if, when he wins. If he wins, he will be the mandatory for the WBC version of Canelo's 168 uh, championship uh, belt. So they both are in a situation where if they win, whichever mandatory is mandated first, the WBO may want theirs first or the WBC may want theirs first, either or, those two gentlemen will be in line for for that. If that all falls out, they'll fight each other. 
and create a WBO, WBC, super, super middleweight, titleist, intern titleist, rather. Wow. So that in itself uh, could get the public to say, hey, let's see it because they are strapped up and here is the Here's the mandatory, and he can knock them both out at the same time. So we'll see how it works out. <laughs> listen, but, hey, listen. I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see this this effort uh, from the sanctioning bodies. Okay, Harold, let's let's just chop this up for a second because David Benavides has to get through David Lemieux, right? Okay, is that right? Because that's yes. who he's supposed to be fighting. That that's his, yes. his. That's it's number one and number two by the WBC. Uh, which is David Benavides and David Lemieux. So they have to square off. Now, I'm going to tell you something about David Lemieux. David Lemieux is no walkover. He's a tough fighter. Yes, yes, he is. Okay. Continue. Yeah, no, so I'm just saying that David Benavides and, um, you know, both uh, Demetrius Andres and David Benavides both have to get through a uh, tough fight. And if they both get through, then what happens? Tell us. As I said, they'll be in line or they'll have to fight each other if Canelo balks and does something else. So we, we don't know. But uh, Lemieux, yes, he's a great fighter. Uh, however, he doesn't deliver his work down the middle. Right. Benavides delivers his work down the middle. <laughs> and that in itself should lend to him uh, being victorious. Well, okay, so Canelo is not always known for taking the toughest fights, right? So um, he might, I mean, whoever he's going to fight, I forgot the guy's name, but the guy that, that Canelo may square off against is a relatively easy win for Canelo. However, so so what we're lining up here is... Dimitri Bivol. Just to be clear. Yeah, okay, well, okay, so Demetrius Bivald is the guy, right? Right. Okay, so, I mean, I guess what I'm saying to you is that uh, Demetrius Andre and Benavides have to go up against one another. If they do, and when they do, right, then Canelo could theoretically take one of those guys, right? Yes. Okay, so tell me about that. Well, the one he should take, uh, just looking at Canelo's record and who he's going to fight or whatever, I would do the Andre fight first, only because you're going to have a lot of work that can be done through the media, through the run-up, all of that, because of the bad blood between the two. And that's going to be fireworks because – he can really carry the, the media stuff uh, of Mr. Gentleman here that we're doing right now. All Mr. Right. Andre, he can really carry that. So he's excellent for that. As far as a, a long fight, it should be a long fight. He's not going to stand there and fight with him toe to toe. So it'd be very tactical, uh, very cerebral. That would be a good fight. That was the one I would take first. Uh, mm. If, in fact, he wins that fight, then he can take the Benavides fight because that's naturally going to be big because, you know, of the heritage of the two fighters. So I would take the Andre money first, and then I would go to uh, Benavides. Mm. Interesting. Well, listen, I cannot wait until all this stuff lines up because 
Um, these are big fights we're talking about. This is uh, the 168 pound division is on fire. Uh, WBC, you've got David Benavides, uh, David Lemieux, Daniel Jacobs, uh, Pavel Siliagin, uh, Caleb Plant is still in there, uh, and uh, Anthony Durrell is in there, Jesse Hart. Yes, he is. Uh, man, you've got uh, Christian Mabel and um, Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, and then with the uh, WBA, um, there's a whole host of guys up there, right? Uh, David Morales got a belt there. Um, Saul Canelo Alvarez, of course, has all the belts unified um, at 168. And so, you know, the question is, do you think he's going to stay there? Or do you think he's going to vacate? He's only made the history with the 168. Right. If he vacates, he won't be slapped on the wrist too much if he continues at 175 and, and clears that out also. So what do you, so, think, what do you think if you were going to speculate? Uh, speculate. So he's going to go start off with the WBA trying to get the uh, Dimitri Bivol. Um, at 175, yes. Yeah, at 175. So uh, that should be very, very interesting uh, if he does that. I don't see any problem with him taking uh, being uh, being victorious in this fight. It will be testy for a moment, but he'll uh, he he should win that easily. Now, if he continues at one seventy five and keeps that weight and keeps that that muscle mass and stays there and tries to clean out the division, which every other champion would jump at just because of the sweepstakes that are involved, he could actually do that. The same thing he did with the one sixty eight, he could go ahead and run through the one seventy five. Right. Now, the contract is a whole nother situation that could derail that. I guess we're going to talk about that. But yeah. as of now, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and uh, introduce that or I can step on it now. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think I think we kind of got got through how that all is going to line itself up. I just wonder um, what's the story with Jermel, uh, Jermel Charlo. That, that's big Charlo, correct? Yeah. Okay, Big Charlo has been uh, cleared of all charges. Oh, that's good. as of now, he's sitting waiting to see if what Canelo is going to do. Um, I don't know if it's really hurt him as far as the public is concerned. Right. This kind of thing happens all the time. And when charges are totally dropped, then it's it's kind of swept underneath the rug as powerful, of course, as a, as a fighter who has a, you know, a, when you're a fighter, a lot of people try to come, you know, get in your face. So uh, yeah. that just goes yeah. to the territory, oh, yeah. as Floyd always likes to say. But um, we have to see what Canelo's going to do. So right now, Canelo, they're saying he's going to do the B-Wall fight. But the derailment can happen because Golovkin has not signed the contract yet. Mm. He's saying he, he can win this, that, and the other, but he hasn't signed the contract. So until that's done... Uh, Canelo's deal is not in place. The deal is for the two fights. Right. Bewall and uh, Golovkin. So he's holding up the money. Oh, if that man. doesn't happen, he's been offered, as you just said, the Charlo fight and the Benitez fight for what? A hundred million dollars. Right. Yeah. Benavides. May I say that correctly? Yes. <clears throat> so, Which he turned down. He rejected it. Yes. Technically, in case... It's open to him at all times. If the if Golovkin decides he doesn't want to sign the contract, this, that, and the other, that can always happen. So no one's going to tell Canelo no. Right. 
Well, as I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, uh, Galati Triple G Golovkin has a fight coming up in Japan, right? Against, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Mariota. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that, that's going to be a good fight. Uh, I, I don't see Mariota giving him any problems. It, it may go to distance and cause the, the public to say, oh, he's really slipping. He's really slipping. But he, he'll be ready for uh, Canelo if they fight again, because that's a whole other mental uh, space he'll be in. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see Galati Golovkin back in the ring. It's been quite a while, right? Yes, it has been, but you know his his skill set is pretty inherited. So as long as he is in, he's in, he's in shape, he's going to perform. You know as he does. I don't see any ring rust, anything like that, on him. I, I don't see that. His age has nothing to do with his it, his skill set is so ingrained. Is he back? Is he has he returned back to his trainer Abel Sanchez? Is that what happened, or what what's happening with him? Last I read or understood or been told, he still is uh, with his new trainer after he uh, released uh, Abel. Okay. Then, supposedly, he went back to him. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just don't know where he is because right. people are switching trainers left and right. You know, as you know, Ryan switched yeah, well, trainers. Well, well, and, well, well, we're going to get into that in a minute. Oh. <laughs> Ah, you already jumping all over there. My bad. But, you know, it's totally fine. We, <laughs> I have that on the list of stuff that we have to talk about. So, no, uh, man, it's it's uh, totally understandable that, you know, our, our podcast here, um, you know, is brought to you by Scattered Boxing World. <laughs> the boxing world is pretty scattered right now. So our podcast is coming off like that, right? So... Yeah, man. Um, I would say um, let's touch a little bit on uh, uh, the the uh, the big guy in the news, as far as I'm concerned. Um, as I mentioned in the last broadcast, the guy who I and actually I covered this guy in the in the um, at the end of the year in our last podcast that we did for 2021 as the uh, brightest star for 2022 which is Jerome Boots Ennis, right? And here we go. In the last podcast, we talked about, you know, Jerome Boots Ennis. I, you and I were having a conversation, and I just said to you, listen, I don't care what Sean Porter says, right, that he's overrated. Sean Porter said, uh, uh, you know, a couple of things in, in the, um, mm. uh, <laughs> you know, that really reverberated around the boxing world and in the boxing community, Um which I understand where he was coming from. He was a little frustrated with everybody hyping up Jerron Ennis. But the fact is, Jerron Ennis at this point has the goods. He has the goods. And and I said that in the last podcast. I'm going to say it again. Um, you know, he's just the guy, you know. And he's, you know, he, I, we had a discussion, Harold, of whether or not he was a prospect right? Or a contender, although he's not really a contender, right? But he actually is a contender just waiting for his chance to get a shot at the title, right? That's what's happening with Jerron Ennis. Did I hit that right? Yes, but he's on the undercard, so you get to uh, compare him. The world gets to compare him. When they buy the pay-per-view, they get to see him fight whoever he's going to fight. Then uh, Earl and uh, Ugas will fight. And people will have a reference point to see how his skill set uh, compares to 
uh, Spence and Ugas. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be a huge boost boost for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's going to bring his uh, his marketability and his ticket sales, as we touched on in the last podcast, yeah. right? Which aren't really ticket sales. It's really pay-per-views and people that, that really love boxing. You know, you want to see a guy who's going to be a future star, then you better start paying attention to Jerome Boots Ennis. And, uh, you know, I expect my check in the mail, Boots. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you are the real deal. So that's what's, that's just what's up, man. You are Agreed. Uh, yeah, Agreed. You, you're a solid fighter. Inside the ropes, he's got it. Yeah, inside the ropes, he's got it, man. And he appear, appears to have it on the outside of the ropes, too. So... He seems to be, um, you know, managing his his uh, stardom pretty darn well. So, yeah, I mean, so how do you see that that lining up? Let's talk about that saga. How do you see it see it lining up? The boots, yeah, uh, undercard fight, yeah. or uh, where he could land after these fights are completed. That's what we want to talk about. Where do you think he can land? Well, providing Spence uh, beats Ugas. Um, he'll be the IBF, uh, mandatory. Uh, we have to see if Spence is going to take that fight at this time, or he wants to do some other things, meaning that he'll, he may drop that belt and defend one or the other two, the other, the other, other three. Right. We don't know what he's going to do, uh, how he wants to handle that, but, uh, he'll be undisputed if he wins with Ugas. Uh, I believe he'll go right to Crawford. Right. And if he has all four belts, he has the opportunity to do what he wants to do. Right. He may move up to 160 or 154. Uh, they say that's where he's, he is supposed to be because right. of, his, of, his, of his height and, and, and his uh, frame. So he, there's so much to see. He just wants to unify. And I believe when he unifies, he may actually vacate and move up. Right. Yeah, well, he's number four by the WBC. He's number, I think, three by the uh, WBA, number three by the IBF, and number two by the WBO. So Boots is in a good situation right now. Yeah, yeah he's, in, he's in pole position. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he got there pretty quickly. He got there pretty quickly because, you know, just a couple months ago, maybe about six months ago, he wasn't even in the top 20, if you recall. Uh, yes, uh, it, his fandom spread really quickly uh, with, 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 the, with the hardcore boxing people. Yeah, It's just that, you know, the casuals don't know who he is at this point. And yeah. the pay-per-views would really help help that quite a bit. If he could grab a good endorsement of Subway, like Mike Lee did, who was a total unknown, uh, if he could grab something... Uh, to kind of get his face out there, yeah, uh, it would really truly help. Um, so, I just don't know what his contract allows him to do. Uh, we just don't know where he's at, but he will have that pay per view fight, and and if they uh, do the run up properly and the background and and all of that, uh, the expectations for him will be huge, and he may he won't steal the show, but he'll be a, a, a central interest point yeah. of that. 
Yeah, so listen, if you guys are tuning in on Apple Podcasts or if you are watching the program on YouTube, uh, let us know what you think. Do you think Jerron Ennis is overrated? Do you think Sean Porter's Whoa. comments about Sean Porter, I mean about Jerron Ennis being overrated are true? What? Let us know what you think. Or do you think he is the, the future of the division, you know, we that's would a love bad him. word. Overrated. You cannot say that in the boxing well, world. You can't. I know. I'm, I'm not. I never bad said word. it. I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> I'm actually just stating what was already said by another person. Okay, another person who holds some weight in. You know, when he speaks, he speaks loudly. And he, when he walks, he walks with a big stick. <laughs> he has a job. He is to say what he needs to say. He needs to stir the pot. That's that's what it is. Yes. So I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, he's going to say what he needs to say. Right. He has yet to be in the ring with him. He has a spar with him. He's just, you know, the eye test, just like you and I have. And well, all the fans who are watching. So we all have the same eye test. So to, uh, to Sean Porter's credit. Sean Porter did back off those statements most recently. He did come out and he did say that, you know, he admits that Jerron Ennis is the real deal, you know, and really he's just looking forward to watching him fight again. So he did come out and say that. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm blowing smoke up everybody's butt there. So <laughs> just bad, getting everybody fired. Bad word, Mark. Overrated is a bad word. Yeah, bad man, word, it is a bad, bad word. word, but you know what? People use it all the time. So... <laughs> You know, if you don't like bad words, get used to it. (laughs) Yeah, man, for real. So, all right. So let's talk about the Charlo brothers. Charlo brothers. What's going on with the Charlo brothers? Well, little Charlo, as they call him, uh, he, his fight was postponed. Uh, It was an injury with his opponent. Uh, Of course, those Charlo guys do not like excuses. So he has to sit back for four weeks and allow his opponent to heal up. Right. So, um, and of course he's saying conspiracy. He doesn't want to fight. It's not real. This, that, and the other. The only good part about it is that, you know, he's been here before. He's had fights that were uh, postponed before. So he knows what to do to keep himself sharp. So that's good for him in, in this situation. He has expertise with waiting another four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what about, uh, uh, what about the other Charlo brother? Well, we're just, he's just sitting and waiting to see what Carnillo's Canelo's going to do rather. And just his opportunity. So, uh, he's at 160. He would need to move up to 168. If uh, Canelo wants, wants to, to fight him right now, I haven't seen anything. Uh, well, uh, Harold, I don't know if you if you picked up on the uh, wire, but the um, Jermel Jer- Charlo says that uh, you know he'd like to see the doctor's reports from uh, uh, Castaño because that fight's canceled now, right? He, uh, I guess he said he had a bad shoulder or bad arm or something. What did he hurt? Well, I think it was his his wrist. His wrist, or his, or his, is uh, I think it was his wrist. Really? And uh, of course, he's going to want to see that. That's just what the Charlos uh, do. They it, they want to see that. It, they, it wasn't his wrist. Who was it? You triggered me, man. It was his bicep. You heard his bicep. bicep. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I can understand how he, he, you know, that's just what he does. He's going to question it. He's going to, uh, you know, kind of wind it up in the public's eye. You know, that's just what they do. And, you know, I, I respect it. That's their mode of operation. He should do so. If that's what he does. Right. Well, I mean, you know, do, do you think there's some something else behind him getting injured? Or do you think it because, you know, there's some rumors out there that said um, Castaño wasn't in shape or, well, you know, I mean, what do you think? Do you, or do you think about that? Well, there's rumors about me being six foot four and I'm not, <laughs> you know, so uh, rumors are everything. I mean, rumors are out there, man, yeah, all man. over the place. So you can't even say, you know, what's real and what's not real. All I know is it's good press. We're talking about it. The wow. world is talking about it. Yeah. So it's it's great. I think, I think it's good. I think it just helps the whole situation. More people are going to tune into it because Charles was saying, yeah, you ducked me. You was out of shape. Now I'm really going to. Uh, you know, perform well on you. You know, I'm gonna make you sorry you did that. This, that, and the other. So it's this is gonna be more hype, right? And well, he tends to really get himself wound up behind this kind of thing, and and he will fight emotionally. He does do that. They both fight emotionally, right? Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that these guys work so hard. Uh, they work so hard to get the fights, you know, and then when they get the fights. To find out that the fight is postponed is, you know, I mean, it's um, it's disappointing for the fighters and, it, you know, hits them in the pocket pretty hard, delays their cash flow. Um, well, but but this fight is supposedly only delayed. Right? You see my little quotes, right? Three to four weeks. So, I mean, if you pull a bicep, I mean, is the bicep torn? I mean... I think it definitely warrants a doctor's note. <laughs> like you're at school somewhere, right? Yeah, man. You got, you can't, yeah. Cause you're messing with people's money. You know, you can't, you can't just, you know, you gotta, you gotta show and prove if you, if you really have a bicep injury, then you really have to show that because there's a lot of time, effort and money that went into that fight, uh, preparation for that fight. So, you know, and, and I guess, you know, they are saying the fight's going to happen. They're not saying it's not going to happen, but three to four weeks later, you know, you know what happened with George Cambosos and Teofimo Lopez when they kept postponing the fight, right? So postponements are not, you know, they don't work out, you know, they don't work out the way you anticipate them working out. No, they don't. As I said before, you know, Charlo, he's been through this before, so... Yeah. He has an idea how to get through it, you know, positively. That's the only thing I can say about that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I can tell you that if you tear your bicep, you know, that's a pretty bad injury. Is it? It's not, Is you it? know, you can't, I mean, you can't fight with one arm. And and you know how you can't fight with a one arm? All you have to do is go back a couple of weeks ago. And who was it that was we saw fighting with one arm? Mr. Gary Russell Jr. Yeah, and it didn't work too. It didn't work out for him, did it? It's. I mean, he did. No. He did great with one arm. I have to say, he did. He was amazing yeah. with one arm, but it's not. You know, it's not ideal. You know. So yeah, man. So all right, let's get into this uh, Canelo Alvarez, and this is the big news. This is. I really, really wanted to chop this up um, tonight with you. Um, the Canelo Alvarez $100 million 
payday. Well, let's just let's just close our eyes. If you're driving around, do not close your eyes. <laughs> if you're sitting at home watching us on YouTube, close your eyes and envision 100 million dollars. <laughs> Can you just picture it? A hundred million dollars. How do you turn down a hundred million dollars, Harold? Well, you don't unless you have that already. Um, you got to give away 40 for taxes. So let's just get wow. that off the, off the rip. So, so you're looking at, you know, 60, 65, he'll put in his pocket after everybody's paid. Right. Still, that's, that's quite a lot of money. Um, they say once you make $45,000 and from there, your human physical luxury is no different from someone who's making three, four, five times that much. So his comfort level is already there. Right. He just, if he if he sees more zeros, fine. But as far as his comfort level, his 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 generational wealth and all that, it's 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 not an issue. Right. So he can afford to turn down that kind of money. I for want what you, he wants. I would like you, please, to break down what you just said. This is the boxing breakdown. You are listening to the boxing breakdown, and Harold's <laughs> about to break down. How $45,000 is no different than $100 million. Harold, break that down for me. As in your physical human comfort, I've, 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 I've heard this and read this many times, as far as you feeding yourself and clothing yourself and that type of thing, okay. you can actually, you know, you can have some assemblies and enjoy your life to a point, up to a point where you're comfortable. Yeah. So when someone has been living like that for 20, 30 years, $100 million, and they know they can make more, have opportunity to make more money, uh, you know, that's just the first number that comes through where he can maybe do 120, 130 if he turns this down. When you have that kind of option, you do that. You just don't take the first one. Uh, so and he is a, he is a man of boxing right now. So he may say, look, I need, I need 130 to do this. I need 120 to do this. Right. So we, we don't know. So when he turns it down, it's not because he's saying, oh, that's a lot of money. He feels like he's worth that if he's going to do this. And it's, it's not going to add anything to his physical life financially. It's not. It's not. He'll just have more to pass on. But yeah. it's not. he has opportunities just to make more. So he, he's, why not? Yeah, no, I mean, that's you. <laughs> I can't say that I actually, um, I, well, it's not even agreeing. I just can't relate, you know, like I can't relate to how, how you would turn down a hundred million dollars to fight two guys that theoretically you can beat theoretically. Right. Let's talk about that theory. Well, do you, uh, what do you think? Do you think that, Canelo. The Charlo fight, he he beats Charlo to me. Okay, he, he beats Charlo to me. Yeah. Uh, the Benavides fight, it it'd be something that will be seen for five six rounds. But Benavides uh, is going to 
he's he'll he'll lose also, in my opinion. I mean, I see him trying to put the power on him and all that, and he's he, he's going to be aggressive and what have you. But he has a lot of holes in him in his style. And you know, when you attack, you leave yourself open. Mark, of course, you know this, so maybe you can speak to that. But you leave yourself open when you attack, and he's a constant attacker. Uh, Charlo is pretty much one-dimensional, so he'll be able to figure him out pretty easily. And he's a really tough guy, so if he's getting hit clean, he's going to stand in there and take all that. He's going to do a Deontay Wilder type thing. Right. He may not get knocked out, but he'll take a lot of punishment, uh, you know, in an attempt to, you know, to prove the situation. But right. he'll know the fight's over in about the fourth round. He's wow. not beating Canelo. Well, Charlo, yeah. I'm sure if Charlo's listening to the program right now, he's not going to be happy that you just said that, nor will Benavides be happy that you said that. And I'm sure all the Benavides and Charlo fans will be dropping it like it's hot on the boxing breakdown comment yes, area. Yes, yes. So, I have to watch myself going to the well, call. But, well, no, hey. we're all entitled to our opinions, <laughs> and certainly you are entitled to your opinion. Um, you, you most certainly are. I will say that Canelo Alvarez, you know, I mean – He's a champion. So, you know, if you um, follow him, I mean, obviously he's listed as the pound for pound uh, best fighter in the world right now at number one. And behind him is a welterweight Terrence Crawford, followed by a heavyweight uh, Tyson Fury and then another heavyweight. Ooh, Alessandra Olsik, my favorite name to say. Yes, and then, yes. yeah, man. And then we've I'm got not discounting. I'm, I'm not discounting Canelo, not at all. I'm just stating the facts. And if you just look at the two styles there yeah. and see what Canelo has done once he hurts someone and how he doesn't get hit, he doesn't get buzzed, no matter what your weight class is, right. just because of that. Uh, he once he hurts you, he's he's he got you. And I see Canelo right. hurting Benavides. I see him hurting. Uh, Charlo, I see that. I see them taking that punch and saying, oh, I don't see them delivering anything to, Char- to uh, Canelo that's going to make him uh, be wary or, or, right. or, or wonder about his uh, about his well-being in that ring. I just don't see them <laughs> offering anything to him. I, I, don't, I don't see it. Right. What about the Triple G? What about Galati, Triple G, Golovkin? What about him? That'll go the distance again. It'd be a nice fight. Triple G cannot hurt him. And but their styles make for a good action fight round around around around. That's what we'll see there. But Canelo will win that also. Well, Triple G has already stated that he believes he won both of the previous fights. So why not? Why 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 yeah, of course I'd say that too. Hey, we got to, we gotta hype this fight. I gotta get paid. Everyone's gotta get paid. You gotta cause a controversy. Please, I mean, of course he's gonna say that, but if he had the publicist, the publicist said you say you won all those fights and you try to you know, and here's the facts right. that you can you can you can spout saying you won the fight, and you just get the public all in the middle of it. Yeah, that's fine. But in the ring. He loses on points. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that. I guess we'll just have to wait to see when those two square off with against one another because eventually that's going to happen. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's a fight that I, that's a f- kind of fight that the fans really need to see people that have been following Canelo Alvarez since he fought, you know, Mayweather. Cause you know, a lot of, 
that that fight uh, actually made uh, Canelo a a, a big uh, draw. That was a huge passing of the torch uh, when he fought Floyd, and you know. The Galati Golovkin fight is one that's been on the table. It's been off the table. Uh, people have wanted to see that. There's some questions that that uh, uh, Canelo needs to answer for, you know. And uh, I know that Triple G wants that fight again. I'm sure that's his big payday, right? That'll be his. Yes. Big, that'll be his biggest payday of his yes. life. And he probably wants to get that and exit stage left. And he will graciously take that money and he won't get beat up. He'll yeah. lose, but he won't get beat up uh, because his skill set is good enough to keep Canelo away from knocking him out. Right. He, his skill set, he won't be knocked out. It'll, it, it'll go all the way. The other two aforementioned, I don't believe that's the case. And Benitez has a better chance, Benavides rather, has a better yeah. chance than Charlo does, in my opinion. Right. Interesting. Okay. So let's hit the $100 million button. That's the $100 million button, Harold. Listen, you got $100 million? Okay, everybody, open your eyes now, okay? I know you had your eyes closed the whole time, but now you got to open them, okay? Because we're, we're getting ready to heat this up right here on the Boxing Breakdown. If you're listening to our program on Apple Podcasts or whatever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. Please leave a review for us, and we hope that you enjoy the program. We It's a labor of love. We love bringing it to you. Love it. Yeah, love we, are, it. we are so pumped about being with you in your car or wherever you're listening to The Boxing Breakdown. If you're tuning into our newly created YouTube uh, channel, thank you very much. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. We, we look better on uh, radio. We look much better on radio than we actually do on YouTube. So thanks for watching, but the audio, we look so much better on the audio. <laughs> so let's get into the Teofimo Lopez news. Well, as you know, or not, he and his father are migrating to the Reynoso gym where Canelo sets up shop. And we know how volatile the father is, or should I say excitable or animated. And it's going to be an interesting dynamic between he and Reynoso. I believe uh, the son will look forward to the work and we'll see how Canelo works and he will fall in line with that and see how that success can help him. We just have to see how the father is going to deal with another person being the lead on his son. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's huge news. Teofimo Lopez going to the Eddie Reynoso camp the camp of world champions. He has more world champions, I think, than anybody else right now. I, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, hit it, put it in our YouTube uh, comments or let us know who has the most world champions right now in the world. I'm, I'm 
thinking it's probably Eddie Reynoso. And if it's not Eddie Reynoso, he certainly is up there uh, within the top two or three trainers that do. And um, Ryan Garcia recently um, departed the Eddie Reynoso camp, and I believe to go back to Joe Goosen. Is that correct? Yes. And there's another development there. Yeah. Uh, 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 Vito Melinki. Do you remember him? Yeah, Vito Melinki. Yeah, he's from New Jersey. He left Goosen initially, went to another trainer, but this past week, he returned to Goosen. So Goosen not only has him and Ryan in the same gym. Oh, that's They'll good working sparring. together. Yeah, that's good That's sparring. good sparring, and those are two excellent fighters to be uh, taught the game Well, by a, a very great trainer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Joe Goosen is going to have his hands full with those two guys. <clears throat> and, you know, Eddie Reynoso's got his hands full. You know, he's got his hands way full. With lots of world champions, right? So yeah. that's a lot of work. A lot, a lot of work for y'all listening in out there. Just understand, these guys do not sleep. They train from sunup to sundown. When you're working that many champions, you know, yeah, you try to put them together if you can. Uh, but that's a lot, a lot of work and uh, a lot of individual talent that needs very, very specific um, modalities. Each one of them have their own way of fighting, particularly Teofimo Lopez. You know, Teofimo Lopez has a very, very unique style, a very unorthodox style. It's a very complex style that he uses to fight. And um, I just don't even know where to begin. Um how Eddie Reynoso is going to actually break down his training methods to Teofimo Lopez and um, subsequently to his father, because his father's involved as well. Yes. His father taught him strictly off of YouTube. He watched YouTube to fix your sink. He watched YouTube to figure out how to train his son and look what he's been able to do by, by, by watching YouTube, he has said that, you know, he didn't know. He just simply watched stuff and went, got books and that type of thing. So the style is is very unorthodox. And Reynoso is going to see a lot of different things he needs to correct or augment or whatever. But he did take him on. It wasn't like he's knocked on the door and said, come on in. You're going to yeah. No, He looked at the style. He yeah. talked to the father. They vetted each other for months. It's not like it's just so just. Oh you know, no, they've man, known each other you, for, yeah, they've known each other yeah. for a very long time for sure. How, however, once you get into the weeds and you're months in like a new girlfriend, you know, you're going to run her pretty good for about a month. <laughs> but then the real one comes up, you know, you, you got your representative oh, when you first speak with that girl. Right. You're a representative and she's a representative of yourselves. And then the representative goes home and a real person steps out. Right. And that's when you you know what's really going on. So once they get to that stage, then we'll see. You can be nice when you see somebody on the road or whatever and say, we're going to work together and have a few drinks and this and that and the other. However, after three or four months, you have a disagreement or, or, or you don't get along with a certain situation. That's when you're your friendship is really tested. So um, 
that's yeah. going to be interesting to me to, to, well, to, to see how long. The one thing about the one thing about Teofimo Lopez Sr. and Jr. is that they have always sought out um, advice and talent and and different perspectives on what they do. So it's not a surprise to me that he would, you know, find himself in the Renoso camp. I think one of the things that that um, Teofimo Sr. is completely aware of is the the idea that you want to train with masters and you want to kind of bring masters into your camp and have them, you know, share, you know, share knowledge, share skill. And he's done that to some extent. I mean, he's had, you know, really, really great trainers with him all the way up, all the way up. I mean, in, in, in all of the last six or seven fights, I've seen a variety of talent come through the Teofimo Lopez camp, and really it has uh, transformed him in the positive. I will say that uh, the fight with um, Vasily Lomachenko was uh, a great win, um, while the last three rounds of that fight um, maybe were not the best three rounds of Teofimo's uh, career, and the adjustments that were made maybe were not the best adjustments, meaning the the fighting up close, <clears throat> trying to trade with um, Vasily Lomachenko um, may have not been the best uh, idea there in the last three rounds, but nonetheless, he won the fight. And in his last fight, there was a lot of speculation of the hole in his esophagus and, and other issues leading up to the fight that caused that performance to be what it was. Since that time, since we reported that, Harold, there hasn't been much talk about the hole in his esophagus. There hasn't been any additional reports about that. And so I just wonder, um, you know, what was that not necessarily the truth uh, of what was happening or was it? I think um, it'll just be really interesting to see what kind of transformation can occur with him being with Eddie Reynoso and what kind of skills he will come out of there. And I mean, you can see it says Eddie Reynoso will help Teofimo. It doesn't say Eddie Reynoso is going to be his head trainer. So it'll be interesting to see how it all transpires. Maybe I'm reading into it or, or not. I'm a little behind the eight ball on it. The only way to know is to what? What do we have to do? See it, see it happen. We got to get Teofimo on the program. That would be great. And that's, that can happen. You have the inroads to do that. I'm not saying that the father is not a great trainer. He is. He obviously is. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I just well, see got him his- being, he's able to call the final shots. And he calls the final shots. He brings in whoever he wants to bring in. But he still calls the final shot. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and just to the point of him being a great trainer, look, there are there are boxing trainers and coaches that have been in this business for 40 years, 50 years. And they haven't been able to produce what Teofimo Sr. produced, which is a absolutely. unified, undisputed, right, by Maurice Suleiman, undisputed world champion. So, you know, you have to, he was voted trainer of the year 
Yes, yes. He has one poor performance, right? Yeah, of course, he lost all the belts. And yeah, it was not an ideal situation. But that's where the story begins. You know, I, I this is a, 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 a an epidemic in the boxing community where, you know, fighters that, uh, you know, have a blemish on their record. This is new. This is like in the last 10, 15 years that this happened. Before that, there were, you know, all the, all the best fighters in the world had losses on their records. So the thing is, is that, as a tra- you know, as a trainer, what, what I know is that, you know, loss can sometimes define you or loss can really build you up. It's not a loss. It's a lesson, you know? And so it'll just be interesting. All I'm saying is that nothing for me has changed uh, as far as uh, my belief in the, uh, in the team being able to, you know, get the belts back, get back in the spotlight that they, that they had. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think they will get there. And I think it's real important um, to not allow the outside community to break them down. That's my personal opinion, because look at how far he got. You know, Reynoso well, is a very talented trainer. trainer. Very, very talented. One of the best in the business. But, you know, it, it's really about matching talent. And it's not always about going to the best trainer. Sometimes it's going to the best trainer for you, right? For you. And if his father has been, you know, I guess that's a question they'd have to answer, right? Not, not us, but I'm just, I'm just putting that out there, you know, sharing a different perspective, right? What do you think of well, that? Well, as you know, some, some fighters, they ride and die with their fathers and, and sometimes they're, their careers are truncated or slowed or they plateau because they stay with the father and the father uh, has no more to teach them. Uh, and that can happen. Or the father uh, lets go and uh, allows the son to, to progress. Uh, Mosley did it. Uh, I remember that. Uh, of course, to Haney, uh, his father did it. And there's other ones who are not of note who have let their sons move on to other trainers because they realize their limitations and in, in teaching their sons. So those are two dynamics that, you know, I really can't speak to, but we've seen, we've seen it uh, positively and we've seen it negatively too. So I just know that yeah. uh, he was successful in getting his son where he's at now and uh, who caused the final shot between he and Reynoso on his son uh, is will be you know interesting for me just to just to see because Ryan left because he said he didn't uh, Reynoso didn't have an adequate time to train him because of all the uh, yeah. champions that were that were in the in the gym so um, he's got to devote a proper time to Lopez for sure yeah no absolutely and that that's the thing you 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 know. You abandon, you abandon or, or dissolve your team to go to a new team. And then the question becomes, well, what kind of time are you going to get? Are you going to get like, you know, three, three times a day, three a days with your, with your dad, or are you going to, it's a different, it's a different, listen, man, the boxing world, it's called a hurt business for a reason. And I'll leave it right there. 
But it's great. It's exciting to see what's going to happen, how it's going to shake out, what kind of skill set he's going to pick up or not pick up, or he's going to change, uh, you know, how it's going to work and all of that. And they're going to be speaking what Spanish in the, in the, uh, in, in the, uh, the training camp exclusively, you know, yeah, that all of that is just a whole different atmosphere for uh, Lopez. Well, you know, he does speak Spanish and he is from Honduras. Yes, he does. So, yes, he you does. know, he's not, it's not going to, he won't skip, he won't miss a beat. No, he won't skip a beat. Not but at all. it's just to be a whole different, the vibe would just be different. It'd just be yeah. a completely yeah. different culture because Reynoso runs it, you know, it's a different culture, period, there, you know. Well, I so, wonder, I wonder if Lopez will end up being a sparring partner for, uh, well, he's a little too small for Canelo. Gosh, Canelo's going to 175, man. Not even close because he's gonna be down at one forty. That would I be can't great. say if they were it, both I mean, at the same weight. That would be fun sparring for sure. Well, maybe if he's starting to, before he starts to cut weight or whatever, he's maybe a little heavy, maybe one sixty uh, or something, somewhere near one fifty. And and they do a light sparring, you know, just 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 to check the light speed. Sparring with, light sparring know, with light sparring with Canelo Alvarez and. Tio Fimo Lopez light sparring? I can't imagine that would ever happen. Well, I guess that was just telling me I shouldn't I shouldn't even say it, but <laughs> man, light but, sparring. But Tank is just... Tank has gotten in there with guys who were 50 pounds heavier and they had real sparring. You know, yeah. they were trying to, you know, hurt her. I mean, yeah. they were trying to um, imagine you in the ring. No. With Canelo Alvarez. Hey, hey, Canelo, let's do light sparring. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do light sparring today. We're gonna spar lightly. I'm never getting in there. That, that'd be like yeah. that's beyond our that, pay grade, my friend. Yes, I, that's beyond I, I, our pay grade for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that but I would love to be there just to watch all the all the champions train and Reynoso and oh, watch yeah. how Lopez incorporates himself and all of that. They all push each other. They're all champions, you know. Yeah. No, man. Hey, listen, <clears throat> February and March looks really, really exciting. Harold, we're just about t- uh, ready to wrap up the program. And um, I just want to let you all know that uh, February 26th, there is a WBC, WBO, IBF, WBA junior welterweight title on the line. When Josh Taylor faces Jack Cottrell, uh, that is going to be on Sky Sports. And then on February 26th, Chris Colbert, uh, faces off against Hector Luis Garcia on Showtime. That's for the WBA Super Featherweight Eliminator. And then um, on February 27th, we have the WBO Cruiserweight title with Lawrence Oakley uh, versus uh, Michael Seslek. And that's on a Sunday. Yeah, man, that's hmm. on Sunday. And that's on, actually on zone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Uh, March 4th, Friday, March 4th, Jose Ramirez versus Jose Pedraza. And that's going to be on ESPN at the Save Mart Center in Fresno, California. Uh, That's for the junior welterweight. It's actually just a junior welterweight bout, but I'm really excited 
for That's that a one. Great I, fight there. <clears throat> I said that before on our last episode. I, I was talking about that fight. I really, really want to see that fight. And then another fight I want to see, which is on March 5th, folks, the WBC franchise super flyweight title is on the line when Roman Garce, uh, Gonzalez faces Chocolatito. off against, yeah, Chocolatito against Julio Cesar Martinez. And that's going to be on the zone at the Pachang uh, Arena in San Diego, California. And um, I mean, there's a bunch of matches looking way ahead way ahead we've got um where is that fight oh man errol spence against uh yodenis Lugas is on april 16th tyson fury versus dillian white on april 23rd and here's the one here it is here it is katie taylor versus amanda serrano i cannot wait for that fight the ladies squaring up man who you got on that one harold <laughs> well, I like I like Serrano. I do, but Katie Taylor has a great skill set, so I like Serrano though. Yeah, man, I agree. I I, I like some. Uh, I like them both, but certainly Amanda Serrano um, has faced a lot more worthy opponents, and uh, I think I'm gonna go with Amanda Serrano on that one. And then finally, April 30th, a big clash. It's for the WBC WBO lightweight unification against Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson. That's on ESPN and it's at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, April 30th. That's a Saturday night. People tune in because you're going to be blown away by all the amazing boxing that's coming up that in the is, next couple of months. Um, I hate, uh, no, I hate to say it, but. Those things that we just spoke of, those are pay-per-view uh, worthy fights, ah. especially the secure fight, uh, the, the fight you mentioned before that with Chocolatito and the fight before that. Those are great fights for the fans to see and you don't have to pay a dime. Ah. So boxing is really, really going to serve it up nicely between those three fights right there. Yep. Well, everybody, thank you so much. It's been great. I appreciate it, and we will see you on the next episode of The Boxing Breakdown. Including news, business, management, training, promotions, fan reactions, upcoming events, matchups, future boxing stars, title fights, state of the boxing world, and all the stuff you don't see when you watch boxing. This podcast is released each week on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Live streamed on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. It's the Boxing Breakdown, hosted by Mark Roxy.